Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you are listening to Season 2, Episode 17, and today we are going to do a new type of episode. We are doing a compare and contrast from two completely different movies that could not be more similar unless they tried to be. We are talking about Journey to the Center of the Earth from 2008, starring Brendan Fraser, and Land of the Lost from 2009, starring Will Farrell. So let's jump into all that now. Journey to the Center of the Earth from 2008 and Land of the Lost from 2009 are practically identical movies. Almost. Both films share an uncanny love for venturing into the strange, hidden worlds filled with prehistoric creatures. And if you thought you were watching one, you may have unknowingly switched to the other, which actually happened to me. I thought I was sitting down to watch the Will Ferrell movie, and I had seen it before, so I knew what this movie was about. Apparently, I didn't know the name of the movie, and this is how I saw Journey to the Center of the Earth for the first time. And then when I saw Brendan Fraser, I was like, oh, what? And I recall I recall taking my phone out as I was the, watching the movie. The movie was beginning, and I, not in theaters. This is year, just a couple years ago, and the movie came out in 2008. And I'm checking IMDb as the movie is beginning. And I read the synops, and I, I recall, vividly recall, laughing out loud. And I exclaimed, it's exactly the same movie. And so I jump into this movie and I'm watching it and it, it didn't it didn't dawn on me right away that like they were 100% identical, but that dawned eventually. Sometimes sometimes the, the good ideas, they have to fester a little bit. So let's start with the protagonist. We're gonna go over all the things where they're like super similar, right? Now let's start with the protagonist, those brave souls who apparently have an insatiable appetite for getting themselves into these absurdly dangerous situations, which is funny because like a day or so before any of these adventures begin, one of them is teaching science class and the other one is just a geologist in a lab and they're just, you know, like a humdrum mundane life. And then they're like, you know, crazy death defying adventures where they have to like avoid all sorts of dangers and they're sure-footed and they have all of these skills that were like not really being used or exercised at any time previous that we're aware of so like it's, it's kind of funny in that sense um so we have dr rick marshall in land of the lost portrayed by the one and only will ferrell and on the other hand in journey to the center of the earth we have brendan fraser as trevor anderson he's the geologist who has spent his career trying to prove the hollow earth theory and more on that later both of them are geniuses according to themselves uh, possess this knack for uncovering ancient mysteries and and they like being trapped in this alternate dimension or spelunking their way to the Earth's core. Uh, scientists, sure. Daredevils, absolutely. Clones of each other, quite possibly. Now, let's talk about uh, the poor souls who get dragged into these harebrained escapades also known as the supporting cast. Uh, in Land of the Lost, along for the dimension-skipping holiday, is Holly Cantrell, played by the talented Anna Frail, who I also know from the uh, tragically cut short, amazing series, Pushing Daisies, in which she starred with Lee Pace, but that's for an another episode. So she's a beautiful young scientist that inspires Dr. Marshall to finish his science MacGuffin 
Hansen that uh, plays show tunes, which is handy and will be come very come in handy. I'm getting all tongue tied, and we're not even ten minutes into the episode. It will come in handy for when it inevitably gets lost, and they know that they're close to it when the show tunes start playing. This happened in Jurassic Park Three with like the satellite phone and that ringtone, that iconic ringtone, which they actually use in Journey to the Center of the Earth. That's that's uh, that's Josh Hutcherson's uh, Peta. He's in this. Uh, that's uh, his his ringtone, and and that comes in uh, later. So I'm getting ahead of myself already. I'm tongue tied, and I'm getting ahead of myself. It's like the episode is already halfway over. So uh, in so in Journey to the Center of the Earth, now we meet uh, Sean Anderson. Uh, that's Josh Hutcherson. He's uh, who you, you guessed it. He joins his dear old uncle Trevor Anderson on an impromptu journey to nowhere. Uh, who who needs well thought out plans, right? They they have ten days and. This is what they're going to do. They're going to fly to Iceland and get down to the middle of the earth. And uh, when we thought that the similarities so far, you know, they're just a coincidence. We get the comedic sidekicks that are Will Stanton, played by Danny McBride. Uh, he's in Land of the Lost. And we have Hannah, played by Anita Briam from Journey to the Center of the Earth. And they help to add this, you know, extra layer of absurdity. And they're witty. And they, they leave you wondering if they were, if were close. Cloned. Uh, they're just like cloned characters in some like secret Hollywood laboratory. That would be hilarious. Uh, Danny McBride is a hillbilly that uh, unfortunately works at an abandoned roadside attraction that also has like a small gas station, and and he's like trying to save money to build his his own casino, uh, which obviously never happened. He's crazy. Um, and they have tachyons. Uh, there's like a tachyon particle that is, that's what they talk about in Land of the Lost, which is hilarious because tachyons is the same mumbo jumbo they use in the CW Flash series to increase increase to increase the Flash's speed they use tachyons and I say mumbo jumbo but actually according to some quick Google searches it's a hypothetical particle whose velocity exceed the speed of light Um, it's never been confirmed Uh, now here or in the land of the lost now in the land of the lost the tachyon hotspot combined with Dr. Marshall McGuffin, McGuffin, ah, so tongue-tied. McGuffin uh, opens a portal to a world where space and time are all mixed up. Past, present, and future exist at the same time, which is pretty cool, actually. Um, now, it's not directly said, though. I inferred that the other tachyon hotspots exist, um, and like the right conditions allow for a portal to like open naturally, like if lightning hits it or something, and things fall through at different points in time. Like in one scene, we see the Golden Gate Bridge has fallen into the land of the lost, but that would probably get noticed by people. So arguably that happens at some time, like in the movie's future, like at some point in time that would happen, like after the movie has taken place or something. Um, Okay, so now Hannah, the third member of the group in Journey to the Center of the Earth, is a mountaineering guide from Iceland. Remember, they're going to go to Iceland. And at least she's more competent party member than Will stand in the hillbilly she actually comes with gear and like knowledge that is helpful and will just yells a lot though 
you know what? That said, everyone in both of these movies yells a lot, just all the time. They're like, oh my God, this is, you know, hold on. This is going to get bumpy. Or the T-Rex comes and then they're all yelling and or they're running away yelling. It's it's, it's a lot of yelling. Uh, and and the, don't don't stop there. The resemblance don't, aren't over yet. Now, in Land of the Lost, we have the tachyon-induced time-space vortex. Meanwhile, Journey to the Center of the Earth treats us to the age-old volcanic vent elevator, a classic from the Jules Verne book of the same name. If it wasn't obvious, the movie is actually adapted from the book. And the book posits uh, that it's, you know, an actually, I'm sorry, the movie posits that the book is actually a true story of an adventurer's party that journeyed to the center of the earth. And they use the guide, the book to guide themselves uh, to the, to out, well, to and out of the center of the earth actually which again is a pretty cool idea and hollow earth theory is very popular in sci-fi there are a few shows that have done some really good work with this concept and it was actually a real scientific theory in the late 17th century obviously it was disproven though that doesn't make it any less fun to play around with for the big and small screen Okay, so now let's move on to the plots of both movies. They're fairly identical, right? A trio of adventurers find themselves in some lost or forgotten world with different biomes and prehistoric creatures living out their lives in relative harmonies. Uh, even the mo- the posters and the boxes for the movies have T-Rexes. Both movies have T-Rexes. Uh, there are a few key differences, though, and that comes mostly in terms of character motivation. Uh, let's start with Journey, which is what I shall refer to to the movie as because Journey to the Center of the Earth is a mouthful. So, okay, so Journey, uh, Trevor, Brendan Fraser, and his nephew, Peta, Hunger Games joke, uh, Josh, damn, what's his actual name in the movie again? Sean, Sean, right. Uh, They have an awkward relationship and are both still getting over the death of Sean's dad, Trevor's brother, uh, when Trevor opens a box of old stuff belonging to Max, played briefly by Jean-Michel Perry. Uh, He gets chased by a t-rex and falls into some lava which is a pretty rough way to go when you think about it uh this uh this episode will be very long if we got get lost into all these details trying to do two movies and it's a compare and contrast so we're comparing character motivations so okay trevor brendan fraser he finds a copy of journey to the center of the earth by jules verne and he finds a bunch of notes in the margins uh, of this book from max his now dead brother and this leads them to believe that max had actually found a way into the center of the earth these volcanic tubes and so they set off on their journey pun intended, uh, all the way to Iceland. Now, on the flip side of this coin, uh, in Land of the Lost, Dr. Marshall has been humiliated and laughed off of the scientific communities. There is actually a hilarious opening scene. Uh, Unfortunately, it's with Matt Lauer, who apparently fled the U.S. after being fired, uh, and that's enough on that. In the movie, Dr. Marshall, Will Ferrell, wrote a book prophesizing that if they could confirm tachyons and build his machine for like a hundred million dollars they could solve the fuel crisis by getting fuel endless amounts of fuel from the lost world and you know matt lauer laughs him off of his show and he becomes this disgraced you know former scientist teaching high school science and so five years has gone by and it's here that he meets uh holly played by anna frail anna frail i don't know if 
I'm pronouncing her last name right. Frail, frail, frail. Right. Uh, so motivations. Holly inspires Dr. Marshall to finish his tachyon amplifier, aka the science plot MacGuffin. And with such a small budget, he uses parts from around the science class to finish it, including an old iPod, which he says is why it uh, plays every time it turns on. It plays show tunes, and it's why I call it the MacGuffin because it's easy to spot after it gets lost. Uh, now, other differences in Land of the Lost, there are uh, parts of the world, like I mentioned, the Golden Gate Bridge, old cars, a portion of an old motel. In Journey, there is none of that, more like fiction part of the sci-fi. In Journey, there are just, you know, thought to be extinct animals, up to and including the T-Rex, uh, which brings us back to the central theme of today's episodes. Like I said, both movies have a T-Rex, and though in Journey, the T-Rex is, um, you know, one of the largest threats other than, you know, being cooked to death. Uh, we'll get to that. Where in Land of the Lost, the T-Rex is a threat at first and then comedic relief for the rest of the movie. And honestly, it was a pretty solid comedic dinosaur. Uh, after the trio runs to safety, Dr. Marshall mentions that T-Rex have a very small brain, uh, smaller than an acorn. And I know this isn't about character motivation. It's just a funny dinosaur anecdote, uh, which so he mentioned that he has a small brain, smaller than an acorn, which clearly angers the dinosaur because apparently it can understand people like no big deal. And it spends a portion of the movie attempting to get back at Dr. Marshall for insulting it, uh, which something the, the others totally pick up on. And it was it was very, very funny. And so the T-Rex at one point they're they like they get to a cave. They manage to get to a cave and they they decide to stay here. Uh, and there's like other stuff that has been gathered. You know, clearly other people have lived here. There's like dead skeletons in the corner, uh, which doesn't like, you know, say much for their like spirits. They're like, oh, no, people died here. But OK, the, the T-Rex. I'm, I'm getting so distracted in this episode. Um, so the T-Rex uh, leaves because he can't get into the cave. And Dr. Marshall, Will Ferrell continues insulting him, saying how they're so stupid and this and that, and reminds them about how they their brains are smaller than an acorn. And then you see like a giant like missile, looks like something got catapulted towards the cave and it lands and they unwrap it. It was wrapped in leaves. And they're like, oh my God. And it's like a giant acorn, like a boulder sized acorn acorn and you just see like all the way across like this like rock bridge that leads away from their cave at the edge of the forest you see the t-rex just like eyeing him like the size of the acorn you know like how he had the, the smallest brain and i just i found that very funny and i also find it funny that like they're supposed to be scientists and they're noting all of these crazy scientific things but they're not noting the fact that the t-rex is clearly holding a grudge for an insult that it clearly understood. That's just this completely overlooked. And speaking of overlooked, I forgot a character actually, Chaka. Uh, they meet this like caveman monkey dude named Chaka, and he's funny at times but he's also incredibly annoying after a few minutes and they just talk loudly at him because it's one of those like he doesn't understand you so they're just gonna talk loudly go no chaka bad chaka and he grunts and humps and he's very crude humor that in my humble nerd opinion didn't quite hit the mark and lastly other than character motivation the only real big difference from these two movies is that in land of the lost there are aliens 
somehow an alien species that has used tachyon crystals apparently the particles can form crystals and they got trapped in this land of the lost but if they escape they will use the crystals and the tachyons and their technology to take over the world uh, which serves as a climax for land of the lost not them taking over the world but them attempting to take like attempting to escape um, which is pretty random all things considered that and the voice of one of these aliens Zarn was voiced by Leonard Nimoy and he only had one line in the movie uh, they just cut it a few times but hey they got Leonard Nimoy to do one line in this movie so that's pretty cool I'm curious how much that one line cost him like a per word per letter breakdown of how much they paid him for that one line would be really interesting to find out couldn't I, I did a lot of googling couldn't find it out if uh, anybody listens to this and happens to know uh, hit me up so uh, so meanwhile down in the center of the earth after proving the earth was hollow and having recorded more than enough evidence and filled up a backpack or two of diamonds and gems uh, their main goal was to find a way out before temperatures rise to a lethal level and the lava kills them all which I mentioned earlier and but not being cooked to death and which is weird because how the hell are the animals surviving down there apparently it's a terrarium and there's a paradise with a lush ecosystem and birds and bugs and a t-rex and yet it's also a wasteland where the lava will cook anything alive like which is it like in both like it just, in both movies it feels like the plot falls apart once they've landed in their respective realms it's as if the writers hadn't bothered to come up with a satisfactory con conclusion that wasn't contradictory or just throws aliens into the mix for no apparent reason and i say that with all the love i, I loved both of these movies and now now honestly in my humble nerd opinion they could have come up with a better reasons plot devices in journey specifically the temperature thing makes no sense and they could have just been trying to find a way out because they don't want to live down there now without this like threat of cooked to death it just really messes up the rest of the plot and on the flip side of the coin like uh, Land of the Lost so many different things could go for it multiple T-Rexes, raptors little dinos um, you know the perils of the jungle with giant bugs but the aliens just come across as like lazy writing to finish the movie and maybe lazy is maybe not the the best word for it it just comes across as an easy way to finish the movie there could have been other compelling uh ways to do that and i found uh you know it is an opinion it's my opinion but it's also a critique of somebody else's work and i don't want it to come across as i'm attacking somebody else's work and calling them lazy because i felt attacked when people call me lazy in the past but now i'm just projecting and this is getting weird so in my opinion it comes across as lazy and an easy way to finish the movie and i think there could have been other ways of doing that and so let's move on and let's wrap up the plot portion of the episode here uh, as we've talked about the different all the similar characters and the similar plot points and the few minute differences here um, so let's talk about how the movies resolve so both movies resolve basically exactly the same way both disgraced scientists come back with heaps of proof in journey they come back with pockets full of diamonds and other gems uh, he has a small fortune and proof and he's been uh, Trevor you know uh, Brendan Fraser's character has been published in Scientific America and he gets the snub, the, the guy that was trying to buy his office at the beginning of his movie. 
uh, Dr. Marshall publishes a new book and he goes on Matt Lauer's show again and he has him read the title and it's called Matt Lauer Can Suck It, uh, which seems a lot more apt now than even back then. And the movie ends on a pretty funny interview, just like the opening scene, but now Matt Lauer is being mocked and it's pretty funny. Uh, Dr. Marshall, Will Ferrell's character, uh, says, I can't believe your lawyers let me call it that, uh, which actually had, uh, you know, like he had the forethought to call and check with the lawyers before publishing the book. It was, it was a pretty funny joke. I enjoyed that. So, okay, that's both movies in a nutshell. And while it's fun to say that they're just copies of each other, it's actually interesting to look into the movies a bit more. And what I found out was that they're just the most recent version of popular old stories that can all be tracked back to just a handful of popular media, namely The Lost World, not the Jurassic Park movie, but a movie from 1960, which is loosely based on a book by Sir Arthur Cor- Arthur Conan Doyle. I can never pronounce that. I, and it'll never come out properly. I'm going to say it like four more times in this episode. It's not going to come out properly. Uh, so the, yes, the writer of Sherlock Holmes, where a group of explorers, uh, a, a group of explorers explores a lost world or a peninsula in Venezuela. I didn't, or a plateau in Venezuela. I don't, I don't really know what that means, um, but I just call it a lost area. Uh, and it's inhabited by cannibals, and dinosaurs and carnivorous plants and then that was again remade in 1974 into a tv series that ran for three seasons with the same name land of the lost and in this series uh the characters dr rich marshall chaka they're all introduced and now going back to journey journey to the center of the earth the book by jules verne it actually predates the lost world uh jules verne published and it was reprinted in in english uh back in 1864 and this book is actually noted as the inspiration for Sir Arthur Conan Arthur Conan Doyle I did it properly uh his book and thus the two films being remarkably similar makes a lot of sense one could argue they're film cousins with the same grandfather Jules Verne uh and I I thought that was very interesting um you know how one book one story serves as the inspiration for you know another book which serves as the inspiration for a movie which then becomes a tv show which then becomes something you know which then becomes a movie of the tv show of the book of the movie of the book and it just kind of like it's the circle of you know art and creation and it's also like kind of like broken telephone too because like if they were to do uh, a TV show of the Land of the Lost movie that came out in 2009, it would be, uh, one could say, vastly different from the original book or even from the TV series or even from, you know, which source material are you comparing it to at that point? There would be so many sources that they're all slightly different. And then the movie in 2009 took some creative differences and added a bunch of extra things and 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 they went in their own creative direction which is just an interesting concept to think about in and of itself and so with that interesting factoids out of the way let's talk about the budgets versus the box office and the critical reception for both movies we'll go in order of release journey came out in first in 2008 it had a substantial budget of 60 million dollars very conservative constantial because constantial a word i don't think that's a word uh and it had the star power of brendan fraser and a very balanced blend of cgi and practical sets and the movie was a hit among families and earned a 
substantial $246 million at the box office. Uh, it earned enough to have a sequel, Journey 2, which is a fun play on words, Journey to the Mysterious Island, and just Journey 2 with the number 2, so that was fun. Uh, and yet the general audiences were, wasn't very fond of the first movie, uh, garnering a Rotten Tomatoes aggregate audience score of only 55%. Uh, even the critics seem to enjoy this movie more than the audiences, with the critics score coming in at 61%. And I have to side with the critics on this one. I am a huge Journey to the Center of the Earth fan. Um, such a fun comedy adventure film. Brendan Fraser was a treat as always. And the young Josh Hutcherson was hilarious with his PSP and his random inherent ability to do yo-yo tricks. And okay, that sounds random. And my girlfriend is going to find it hilarious that I'm mentioning this, but I have to. I was a huge dork and I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s and yo-yos were awesome. Okay. And I practiced all the yo-yo tricks walking the dog around the world all of these for hours before i was able to do it without the string getting all caught up or it flying across the room like around the world yo-yo trick was legit dangerous to be around others like to do to do this trick around others like unless they fancied getting brained by a flying yo-yo those things were solid and hurt and i say that with experience now okay okay um so like I don't know like in walks Sean freaking Peta Josh Hutcherson never even held the yo-yo all surprised by its existence and the first thing he does is start walking the dog are you kidding me you can spelunk your way all the way down to the center of the earth run away from dinosaurs all you want but don't try to tell me that Peta is that inherently talented with a yo-yo because we all know that that's a damn lie he'd just be painting that thing into the background or some Something equally stupid as that. No, I, I, I digress. Um, that was a lot. Uh, so, like, uh, let's talk about Land of the Lost's budget and its box office um, and critical reception, shall we? Coming out on the heels of Journey to the Center of the Earth in 2009, uh, it was produced on a decently bigger budget than Journey, $100 million. They used more CGI, obviously, for scenes that, you know, included broken Golden Gate Bridge and other such elements of the movie. And it was unanimous both audiences and critics absolutely hated this movie land of the lost bombed making only 68 million dollars at the box office uh and if we remember that the budgets don't include the money spent on marketing and that the first trailer for land of the lost actually aired during the super bowl and had a bunch of tie-ins one can only assume that that must have cost an absolute fortune knowing how much super bowl ads sell for like that must have been astronomical it must have cost almost half as much as the movie plus all the other uh the stuff that was done for you know marketing for like a movie i would you know posters all this other stuff i would argue they lost you know at least a hundred million dollars at the end of the day you know after all that super bowl marketing even if we combine like you know half like 25 percent just the super bowl ads alone that's that's you're reaching for the stars on that one and yeah it was bad so if we move on to the critical reception now even if we combine 
the scores from the film critics and the audiences the movie only comes out with a 58 percent which in canada is a failing grade you need 60 percent to pass critics gave the movie a 26 percent and listing the zany plot not being accurate to the source material and much much more as you know just deal breakers and though most funnily enough most agreed agreed that's a combination of agreed and argued that uh, anna frail's performance was one of the few redeemable factors of this film now in my humble nerd opinion the performances were all really good i don't often enjoy will ferrell and danny mcbride but in this they were both very funny and their characters had chemistry and they rifted well off of each other uh, that said chaka needed a lot of work unfortunately he's part of the original tv series i wouldn't have included him as part of the group just like a head nod and a wave to the original character like oh there's chaka and just moved on like don't you don't need him to be there secondly there was some long scenes in the movie that could have been edited much shorter and one scene in particular that just did not need to be in this movie it's towards the end the gang are hanging out at the wrecked motel when chaka gives them fruits that make you high and it was funny for about 30 seconds yet this scene is almost four minutes long it was way too long and it also split between another scene that is arguably way more important and integral to the plot so why they would cut that important scene and 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 into two and then put it you know around a very useless scene is beyond me completely like maybe will ferrell had a lot of fun shooting the pool scenes and like absolutely had to have them in the movie which i I don't know like it's just something i conjectured up you know it's it's complete hyperbole but maybe that's something that, that happened and at the end of the day for me i actually enjoyed land of the lost a lot it's funny it's weird and a lot of it is stupid but it's a sci-fi comedy adventure at heart that has good actors decent vfx and for all its fault it certainly makes me laugh out loud every time i watch it um same goes for journey of the center of the earth which is arguably a much more well-received movie and most people actually enjoyed that movie uh so at the end of the day i enjoyed both of these movies they're very similar yet they have some minute differences that do set them apart not their movie posters that's for sure they both have t-rexes i even noted that they both they both have birds like prehistoric birds roughly in the same placing on the movie posters which is just funny like you guys should really look at that i I, when you have to look at land of the lost which came out second you have to feel like they're just copying journey of the center of the earth at that point because it came over almost a year later like obviously the plots can't be that similar they have their own source material but at some point your marketing has to be like you guys have to look at the competition like you know we're just gonna copy this it's like that meme like you want to copy my homework sure but just make it look different and that's that's what they did with the marketing campaign except where they went as overachievers and did the whole super bowl thing and that was just was just a bad idea at the end of the day they lost a lot of money and at the end of the day i think that's unfortunate because land of the lost was a decent movie in my humble and nerd opinion that and i really enjoy this genre of sci-fi adventure comedy and if they continue to lose money like this they will continue to be few and far between and we will get more of the same so hopefully somebody out there is thinking about making another one of these big budget uh, sci-fi adventure movies we get some good ones jumanji every now and then we're still waiting for jumanji 3 there's been a couple other ones i'm thinking of Uh, none of them are coming directly to the forefront as i am trying to name drop movies right now my nerd powers are waning here at the end of this movie but what i do want to say is there are other movies 
movies out there like this two different movies that are super similar i've come across them uh, all the time there's a movie like uh, the one with uh, no strings attached and uh, friends with benefits i think is the name uh, you, in one you had mila kunis and justin timberlake and in the other you had ashton kutcher and i believe it was natalie portman if you go to imdb and read the synopsis for these movies they are actually like identical verbatim 99 98 percent identical words uh you know like guy falls for girl girl guy want no strings attached guy girl develop feelings for each other things get complicated that's like the verbatim like synapses for these movies and completely different movies exactly the same plot and in their like there's no defense on their side in the defense of these movies they had like like i said you know film grandfather their film cousins they had you know backstory and source material that was like influenced and goes back to like 1860 these are just two movies the exact same screenplay the exact same script and two different studios publishing and producing the exact same movie roughly at the exact same time trying to appeal to the same audience and that's just pandering um the one with justin timberlake was better though uh, all that said and on that note on a completely random note that had nothing to do with this episode if there are more movies like that that you can think of send me a note hit me up at the nerd review uh, ca you can send me an email you can find me at the nerd underscore view on twitter and send me a message think of movies that are super similar i'll look into them maybe i'll do another compare and contrast this episode was fun and i hope you enjoyed it and on that note we shall wrap up another exciting episode of the nerd review from deep dives into sci-fi sagas to unraveling the mysteries of fantasy realms we have journeyed through two of the most famous geek universes and made it out alive hooray so keep your nerddom strong and your curiosity engaged until next time stay nerdy and stay tuned without further ado this has been the nerd review compare and contrast of journey to center of the earth and the land of the lost and this is the nerd signing off.